From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, April 28th. This week, KZMU says goodbye to an unforgettable staff member, Sarah Mead. She's leaving her post as general manager of our community radio station to work for a national radio advocacy nonprofit. It's good news for Sarah and also for KZMU. She'll still be based in Moab and still be around to support this small but mighty station. Today on the news, Sarah talks about her journey at KZMU. It's one that arguably changed her life. You started at KZMU as a volunteer DJ. Yes. You became the music director. Yes. And then you became general manager slash executive director. And I have heard you describe KZMU's influence in your personal life as life-changing. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what, what do you mean by life-changing? Well, KZMU started for me as, yeah, like you said, it was a volunteer thing. And it felt like this will be a fun thing to do to kind of wake up and keep invigorated my obsession with music. Yeah. Um, I've been obsessed with the radio since I was little and wanted, dreamed of being a DJ since I was little, you know, Mm -hmm. or Mm little-ish. Um, so this was like, if this felt like that Mm -hmm. and it felt like that was all it needed to be. Mm -hmm. But then when the music director position was kind of put on my radar and -hmm. then I actually got it, it was sort of this natural, like unfurling of like, wait a second, this is actually, I belong here. Hmm. And um, I went to my first NFCB conference. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know, can you unleash the acronym? (laughs) Yes, the National Federation for Community Broadcasters, um, NFCB. And it's the largest and oldest nonprofit organization that exclusively exists to support community Mm -hmm. radio stations. Mm -hmm. And they have a a big conference every year, every couple of years. And I went as music director Mm -hmm. with um, then-manager Marty Durlin um, when I was just a few months into my tenure of being employed by KZMU. Mm -hmm. And it blew my mind. I was, like, surrounded by all of these people who were obsessed with this weird thing that is radio, this intangible, etheric, magic-of-the-imagination thing Mm And I was, I just felt like I was with my people. And then that built as I started applying myself more to my job, basically. And then when I saw that kind of turn into being able to be the leader of such an organization and incredible staff, it it reframed my connection to this community and Mm -hmm. it reframed my role as somebody who works in the nonprofit sector, Mm -hmm. even. Um, And like what matters to me and what I want to keep doing. And I had a realization point at some point during this tenure where I was kind of like oh no like I don't I can't see myself do doing anything else like this isn't one of those things where that I mean we've all had that feeling at some Mm -hmm. point like in our 20s where we're like I'm doing this really cool job but this isn't like who I am Mm -hmm. and the opposite happened to me during this position where I was like I'm doing this really cool job and this is who I am 
And so then where do I go? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like, how do I keep doing this? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, do I do this for the next 30 to 40 years? And I had mentors (laughs) that that is their life. That is their trajectory. You know, people like KZMU's own Christy Williams Dutton Mm -hmm. and Marty Durlin Mm -hmm. and people who uh, and women um, mm-hmm. especially that right. that has been their life and they have had extremely rich lives and creative mm-hmm. lives and all sort of revolving around this thing that is radio mm-hmm. that also is like somehow still vibrant and thriving right. in 2023 when people have access to content in all these other ways. Um, but there's nothing like radio still. You managed to do a lot in your position as general manager slash executive director. And I know that right now your capacity is working on a transition for our new GM. Um, but I'm sure there have been moments of reflection this these past couple months. You know, when you look back on your time here, what are some moments or initiatives or projects that will always bring a smile to your face? <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so many. Um Youth Rock Camp Moab, early on in my time here, that was one of my first big projects mm-hmm. that I took on as music director. And that that program was, I, I can't believe we did it. <laughs> I, when I look back on what it took to make it happen, I'm like, I, I can't believe I did right. it. I can't, I just can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the strange and wonderful community engagement activities that we've had, like the KZMU ladies arm wrestling tournament and our DJ costume party. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, KZMU had a hand in booking some really incredible shows in town, mm-hmm. um, like La Luz and Shayna Cleveland, mm-hmm. um, KZMU's presence at the the festivals and the, kind of interesting um, cross-section of being able to bring our our very local neighborly community DJs to these sort of fancy events mm-hmm. in town. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I arguably raised my daughter here. <laughs> yeah. She took her first steps here at KZMU. Oh <laughs> Oh, she used um, to hide out in my desk in this little cubby hole for yeah. the first like four years of her life. Oh, so sweet. Yep. And that is just sort of a bigger, you know, um, a bigger reflection on this place as a community organization and as a as a place of work that can support mm-hmm. um families Mm -hmm. you know that can support people who are trying to make a go of having Mm -hmm. a life and family here there's a lot of there's a lot of djs and former staffers of kzmu that you know could probably argue that like they couldn't have they couldn't have made it happen if it wasn't for kzmu Mm -hmm. being here for them and i think that's definitely true for me okay so those are some big moments i have to back up because there's one big moment (laughs) That would be wild if I didn't mention, and that's the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What about that? Yeah, that kind of came around like very soon after I took over as manager, mm-hmm. and and it was such a big like sideswipe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, even though it's hard to like pinpoint a moment in the pandemic, when I look back on um, documents in the Google Drive as mm-hmm. I'm transferring ownership of all the files right. to Barbro. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing entire folders that are marked like COVID-19 safety protocols, Mm. phase one through eight, you know, because we were constantly releasing new and updated information to our DJs. And that's Mm -hmm. one thing that like the listeners who were continuing to be 
um, a part of KZMU during the pandemic didn't see, which was mm-hmm. everything that we were doing behind the scenes to make sure that KZMU wasn't a hotspot or that right. KZMU was a safe place mm-hmm. um, for staff and for DJs. And I was, you know, I, I never weathered it. None of us had really yeah. weathered anything like that. And right. so being in a leadership position um, and also recognizing the importance of community radio mm-hmm. um it really just like drove home like why why we're here why we're doing this and like what's really important mm-hmm. um and so that was massive and and the fact that like not only did we not go off the air mm-hmm. but that we were very quickly pivoted to remotely recorded shows mm-hmm. so people were continuing to hear the voices of our community mm-hmm. and that we were able to safely bring people back into the studios mm-hmm. and keep doing what we were doing and if anything increase our listenership um it's like a huge feat right. and i'm really really proud of that and i'm really proud of the staff for working with me on that and making it happen yeah um that was yeah that was pretty incredible you're right and it wasn't easy but i think for me as well it underscored you know the connection that this ethereal radio station brings to our community you know especially when during the pandemic when we all felt more isolated yeah this was like you turn on your radio you open your stream and you're connected yes (laughs) so that was really amazing it was it was really amazing and during this transition um as i'm you know, passing off the various torches to Barbro, who I am just thrilled about. I'm thinking a lot about KZMU as um, I've been referring to KZMU as its own like organism, Mm -hmm. its own entity. And, you know, people tend to bring to them the things that they need, right? That's that, that's that kind of like invisible, like magnetism. You bring to yourself what you need. And I think KZMU does that for itself. And so I think about like the, maybe the mark that I've made uh, um, on KZMU as a leader and what it needs next. Mm -hmm. And I feel... I feel really, um, I don't know, like satisfied and gratified, Mm -hmm. (laughs) grateful Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, that I've been able to do a lot of work and the sort of, you know, intangible side of things like building more of a culture around KZMU in our listeners and Mm -hmm. with our DJs and staff and um, doing some work towards diversity and equity and inclusion, even though those steps are really small um, and there's so much more ground to gain on that. I feel really proud that I've started that right. a little bit. I'm thrilled that that Barbara is going to be able to step into this position that's already so um, tooled up, if you will, mm-hmm. in a lot of these places with organizational health and um, and a really established place within our community. You mentioned Barbara. So tell us, yeah, what are you excited about for this next iteration of KZMU? You've been working with her quite intimately over the last several weeks. So tell yeah. us tell us what the community <clears throat> should look forward to. Barbara already feels like a person that is part of KZMU. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that struck me from when we had our very first interview mm-hmm. is that she kind of already feels KZMU-y mm-hmm. and uh, she has a passion for rural advocacy. She is really fiercely passionate about Mm self-expression and even if you have no community radio experience or moab experience those two things i think are key and Mm -hmm. she brings those 
um, to the table in abundance. Um, And Barbro also is an amazing listener and collaborator intellectually and just like working with people in person. And I think that she's going to bring so much of that to the team here up at the station, Mm -hmm. but also when she's out and about and, and introducing herself to community members and, and hanging out at the folk fest and, you know, meeting, meeting new business underwriters and things like that. Um, those things I think come naturally to Barbara. Like I mentioned before, KZMU brings to it what it needs. And I think that it needs somebody like Barbara that Mm -hmm. has, um, skills in, um, being able to sort of diversify, you know, our fundraising goals and our sustainability. And Mm -hmm. Barbara has skills that can really help KZMU make those big growth spurts that we've been kind of on the edge of for a while now. Like right pre-pandemic, we were really like cruising Mm -hmm. on making some big changes. We've Mm -hmm. talked about some capital campaign stuff. We had a lot of potential energy, a lot of resources, a lot of talent, a lot of skill um, to kind of level up into a new uh, a new way to serve the community. And like many things, the pandemic kind of shifted that (laughs) to the back burner for a minute Mm -hmm. um and i think that barbara has the kind of new perspective the energy and the skills and the background um to be able to to take those things and bring them back into the forefront and really take kzmu to the next level and Mm -hmm. and i always use the term like to serve the community better um and that that changes too you know part of this job as executive director of a radio station is to understand what the community needs out of a radio station. Mm-hmm. It's not the same in every community and it's not the same year by year. Mm-hmm. So Barbara, with her natural ability to listen and interpret and apply, oh, I'm just so excited to see what she does. <laughs> well, thank you, Sarah, yeah. for that rundown and your impressions on our new executive director and general manager. I do want you to be able to talk about your new job because it's so exciting. Yeah. Um, and here's how I've been describing it. So people <laughs> will come into the station and they're like, oh, okay, what's Sarah doing? What's Sarah doing? What's her next step? First, I say Sarah's still around in Moab. Sarah got a great opportunity with NFCB, and it's one where she gets to work with a bunch of different community radio stations of all shapes and sizes on visioning. Did I get that right? That's pretty much right. I'm I'm going to be taking the role of project manager. Mm-hmm. And the project manager at NFCB is overseeing what they're calling field initiatives. Mm-hmm. So basically, the projects that are working directly one-on-one with community radio stations on things like visioning, mm-hmm. growth, strategic planning, professional training, tools, mm-hmm. resources, um, facilitation, all of that stuff will be sort of in my wheelhouse. And Mm -hmm. so some of it will be working with um, community radio station leaders um, like GMs and um, board chairs or or department directors uh, over Zoom. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Doing a lot of Zoom. Mm -hmm. But I will also get to travel to meet people at these stations. Mm -hmm. And my biggest project that I'll be managing every year is something called the Community Counts Initiative, which is uh, a t- like a 12-month program split into separate quarters that focus on a specific subject. So like one quarter could be devoted to strategic planning. One is devoted to uh, emergency and disaster preparedness for um, the station. So if you're a station like KZMU yeah. and you don't really have a plan for mm-hmm. what to do 
if something massive happens, mm-hmm. then this is the thing, this would be the place to go. You right. could go to uh, NFCB to receive this training. I mean, it has so many, so many things that I have developed over my time as GM here. Right. So many, what they call soft skills, but they're actually like some of the hardest skills mm-hmm. <laughs> of, you know, problem solving, conflict management, um, moderation, facilitation, stuff like that. Those are, those things come naturally to me and I love doing them. Um, and I love helping people. I love teaching. Um, I love like finding the the leadership qualities and the resources and the little bright golden nuggets that already exist within a person or an organization mm-hmm. and helping bring those out so they can mm-hmm. shine and really like I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically my job. How thrilled are you? <laughs> I'm so thrilled. Because this is I mean, it's a huge opportunity. And what I think is going to be so um, wonderful for us here at KZMU is that you're going to be learning so much about community radio stations all over this country. Yeah. And, you know, because, you know, KZMU is your favorite station, right? Mm-hmm. Always and forever. No question. Right. You can come back and be like, hey, guess what these guys over here are doing? <laughs> like, hey, you know. Yes. That's, yes. That's, that's my vision. That's my vision. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, KZMU is is an NFCB member station. Mm-hmm. So that's, you're absolutely right. right. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thrilled to be able to keep like helping out and serving KZMU through, through mm-hmm. with that other hat on. Um, and the other, the thing that I think is preparing me for this job at NFCB is that having worked here in this role at this particular station, I can represent a lot of community stations that are very similar to KZMU, mm-hmm. rural stations, right. stations that are not supported by Corporation for Public Broadcasting or that are not NPR stations, um, stations that don't necessarily always get a seat at the table mm-hmm. because of how small and scrappy right. we are. Right. And mm-hmm. so I'm just like thrilled to mm-hmm. be able to be working for a national organization who can speak with experience for stations that are like KZMU and maybe get a little more support coming our way. Your position as GM of a small, scrappy radio station and the fact that you are, you know, so perfect for this role that you're taking speaks a lot to your own personal skill (laughs) and also speaks a lot to, you know, what we've been doing at KZMU, Mm -hmm. which is, um, like, I don't like this metaphor, but, you know, it's the only one I can think of. It's like punching above our weight a lot. (laughs) You know, we're doing a lot. Yeah. So I think that's just, it's just so cool. So thank you. Yeah. Before we end this interview, Sarah, you know, I know, like you said, you'll still be around Moab. You'll still be involved in some way at KZMU. Any thoughts on what makes this little station a pretty special place? I'm so glad you brought that up because when I could get the sense that you were trying to wrap this interview up, (laughs) I was going to interrupt you and tell you that. You know, all the things, all the things that have brought me to this, the position that I'm in and so that I can kind of, you know, sashay into this <laughs> other role. Um, it isn't just me. It's 100 percent collaboration and very close work with the amazing staff here. <laughs> the station has some of the dreamiest people <laughs> to work with ever. And mm-hmm. I feel, you know, I talked about the things I feel proud of, but one of the biggest things that Mm -hmm. I feel really proud of is the relationships that we've been able to establish as staff and Mm -hmm. team up here 
to make things happen, to support each other, mm-hmm. um, and to be there for the DJs and for the listeners in the way that they need us to be there without right. crashing and burning. And like we've all had those moments right. <laughs> where we have almost, if not fully, crashed and burned, but have been able to work together to come back and be shored up a little bit more and mm-hmm. and continue going forward. And so. Part of what makes KZMU so special is the people. I mean, it's awesome that we have a building. It's awesome that we have solar energy. It's awesome that we have this amazing digital music library and a shelves full of vinyl that we're mm-hmm. sitting next to. That, But it's the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have 85 volunteer DJs that are like everywhere from 7 to like 77 or something like that mm-hmm. or in their 80s. Right. And they're so dedicated to the airwaves. They keep the airwaves so wonderfully unpredictable. <laughs> and it's like so creative and so expressive. Mm. And and that's that's all you can't. I mean, that's only people powered. There's no way that you can do that with AI right. algorithms. It's, you know, right. it's just not possible. And um, and and I, you know, I think that extends out to our listeners, too. I love radiothons because I get to see everybody mm-hmm. who listens and um, KZMU listeners are really special. All all of the people involved have kind of helped, you know, put a little extra brick on the pile to to bring me to where I am. So I, you know, I just feel like I'm, I'm humbled. I'm a humble servant. <laughs> Sarah Mead, who leaves her position as general manager of KZMU this week. Her next job is with the National Federation of Community Broadcasters, where she'll be supporting community radio stations across the country. After our interview, Sarah inevitably had a few things she wanted to be sure I mentioned, projects she is happy to have stewarded as GM. Those include, in no particular order, our new 6 p.m. programming, prioritizing in-house and regional news, editing the award-winning season one of Lift Up, LGBTQ plus visibility, KZMU's new look for its 30th anniversary, KZMU's 30th anniversary, also helping safely produce Choreomania during the pandemic and the 2022 Radio Play Festival. Okay, I threw in a few of my own there. There's just always more to say. So we'll leave it here. Thank you, Sarah, for everything you've done that's both visible and invisible. You know how this job goes. Thank you from all of us at KZMU. The Moab City Council was in session this week, so... What happened at the meeting? What happened at the meeting? Whatever happened at the meeting? What happened at the meeting? What exactly happened at the meeting? Maggie McGuire, editor of the Moab Sun News, answers. At the Moab City Council meeting on April 25th, the council approved $93,000 in RAP tax grants to go toward community organizations, including the Friends of the Moab Folk Festival, Moab Art Trails, and the Moab Valley Multicultural And that's what happened at the meeting. You can find recaps of local government meetings at moabsunnews.com. You can also watch these meetings on YouTube. Find Moab City and Grand County, Utah there. And now the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. In spite of recent studies, 
it's still a mystery how much water is in Moab's aquifers. This uncertainty caused some frustration this week during a city council discussion on Moab's future water management plan. Doug McMurdo of the Times Independent speaks with Sarah Mead about their coverage. The Moab City Council on Tuesday held a workshop on water, and it was in-depth. It went on for over two hours, and a lot of experts from uh, water experts from the state and uh, the local area, as well as water attorneys that are working on behalf of the city, uh, were present via Zoom. And um, at the end of those two hours, uh, one thing that was clear is that nothing is really clear on, <laughs> on how much water we have. Okay. The, the, the big term is safe yield. And safe yield is how much water can you uh, take out of the aquifer each year before you take too much and you're in what they call an overdraft situation wherein you're taking more out than gets replenished um, after, every year. And that's a, a number of figure that nobody can agree on. We have, we have a whole bunch of um, studies out there and some people will say that these studies don't conflict I believe they do. I could be wrong, but in my mind, you have you have information that doesn't quite mesh, mm-hmm. which leads to uncertainty. And I think that um, moving forward, the city council, uh, they, they took no action, but there is consensus that more studies are needed, and that's coming from the city council uh, as well as the experts that they hired. So it's, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, the state doesn't feel like we need such a study, but... That just seems ridiculous. Um, we're in year, what, 22 of a, of a drought um, other than, you know, we had a wet winter. That's not going to erase 20 years of, uh, of arid conditions. So, of course, we need a water plan. We're, we're building. We're developing. We're growing. Um, we, have to, we have to plan for water. It's absolutely ridiculous to think otherwise. And one of the things I understand about this particular conversation that, like you said, it is ongoing is that there are people coming to the table with – um, you know, different levels of expertise, but also different um, kind of stakes in the ground, if you will. There's people coming from the development perspective. There's people coming from a conservation perspective or a watershed health perspective. And did at this meeting, did it seem like there was any kind of um, mutuality or, or seeing things eye to eye or... or well, I, I think I think builders are always going to be more uh, optimistic than people who aren't so fond of growth. Um, Mary O'Brien was the only uh, member of the public who actually offered public comment at mm-hmm. the at the end of this public hearing. And um, Mary's concern, and she's absolutely um, inflexible on this, is until we find out what that safe yield is, let's be cautious. Let's take a precautionary approach, and mm-hmm. and that's just common sense. So yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks, as always, for giving us the the important information about what's happening with water. I know a lot of people are interested after having such a wet winter and it changing, you know, the the immediate um, numbers on water in the entire West. So it'll be really exciting and interesting to see what what comes out of these future conversations. I agree. Uh, Where would you like to go next? Let's go to some good news for some local nonprofits, including uh, KZMU. Yay! The uh, the city's wrap taxes, uh, people will remember that was approved, I believe, by voters in 2019, went into effect in 2020. It's uh, 
mm-hmm. of the sales tax. So uh, uh, a penny for every $10 that is spent goes to this wrap tax, and that's for recreation, arts, and parks. And those are public services that don't generate income. They cost money every mm-hmm. time. So this is a, a good use of that funding, and I think it earned 400000 or something just this most recent year. Um, the Tax Advisory Committee for for the RAP tax just uh, awarded ninety three thousand or recommended the city award ninety three thousand in grants and the city did uh, in a four zero one vote. Uh, uh, Councilor Ronnie Deresari, Deresari, excuse me, um, abstained for reasons I can get into if you want. But um, in any event. Um, not everybody got what they want. Very few got what they want because 223000 was requested and there was only a pull of 93000 mm-hmm. um, The uh, Moab Music Festival and the friends of the Moab Music Festival did, did really well. They scored the highest or among the highest. And uh, they got, a, I think, a total of 20000 to both um, promote the uh, summer concert series, the free mm-hmm. summer concert series. KZMU would always uh, broadcast mm-hmm. that, simulcast that, um, as well as the actual week mm. of the festival in, in November. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, that's the, uh, the, the Moab Folk Festival. Yeah, yep. it was really a diverse group. Uh, we're going to have Olympian uh, girls softball camp this year and a softball tournament. Wow. I think that's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Softball is really fun to photograph. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a good deal. It was the inaugural one. They're going to meet and they're going to do like a debriefing postmortem, if you will. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. I think that they went out of their way to, um, avoid uh, the appearance of of bias. Like Mm -hmm. I said, it was a diverse group of nonprofits and not everybody got funded. Mm -hmm. Um, Moab Free Health Clinic, they are everybody's favorite nonprofit at at the moment, it seems, because of the big move and and everything that they're doing for the community. They were denied Mm -hmm. for the, they had an art project that, Mm -hmm. that was denied. So, um, I know that the, the, the decisions were not easy because, much more money was wanted and needed than was available. Yeah, that's and it's a look into the the uh, the success of the program in in general. I mean, it's successful in the other communities that it's been applied to, and I know that it was a big deal for Moab City to to even consider. Um, if listeners remember, a few years ago there was a big campaign about even getting it approved for the community. So the fact that it was approved, that it was able to generate that much income, and that the income was able to then be turned around and given back to the community nonprofits with a lot of room to grow. Um, This meeting that's coming up, I know that they're also accepting public comment. So if there are, um, if there's feedback from the community members or from nonprofits who were granted or not granted or anybody who may have participated in that process, I think they're really open to hearing that feedback so that they can make it better the next time they do you know, I, I named the members of the committee uh, committee in this in the in this story and these these are all these are all good people they're yeah. people that are well known and they do want that feedback just you know be constructive because it, the feedback you know in order to be accepted needs to be uh, delivered uh, in a tender fashion if you will and I think that is on May the 3rd is it Tuesday May 3rd I believe so yes yeah. 
Awesome. Well, yeah, KZMU is very grateful to have been a recipient of that. And I should say that uh, a member of that advisory committee was our board chair, Neil Clark. Mm -hmm. um, And he did recuse himself for any discussion that involved KZMU. Yeah. (laughs) They took it very seriously. Emily Robertson is another uh, member of that group. And she also abstained from from any discussion regarding youth garden projects. Yeah. Yeah. uh, People did the ethical thing. Awesome committee. I'm I'm, I'm so excited for the future of this. Me too. Um, okay, so you mentioned that that was some good news. Does that mean that you are going to pivot into uh, a not-so-good news story? Well, you know what? This is a bad story with um, a happy ending. The uh, 68-year-old woman who Mm. was attacked Mm. uh, on the parkway while walking her dogs with her neighbor last uh, Saturday morning has been released Mm. from the hospital. Uh, She did not require surgery, and she's... um, recovering at the home of her brother in uh, Provo before Mm. returning back to Moab. So that's good news. And other good news is uh, Judge uh, Torgerson is going to keep the defendant in this case, um, Alexander Kinsel, a 38-year-old man from Oklahoma, uh, behind bars until his case is uh, adjudicated. As the police chief said, at Tuesday's city council meeting, there's two types of people that are illegal camping, and they're the people that have the van or their car, and they're just not really, they really don't know what the rules are, so right. they're camping on the street or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're being told to leave, and basically they go to where dispersed camping is allowed. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your homeless population, and the homeless population has uh, the underlying causes of that homelessness or mm-hmm. what concerns uh, the community and the police department. You know, why are they homeless? And... Um, they're, they're going to take a zero tolerance approach. Hmm. It was usually, you know, there was more compassion in the way that they uh, dealt with it in the past, I suppose, um, you know, look the other way kind of thing. But now they're not, they're, they're not taking uh, any of it. They will be made to leave. They will be made to uh, hmm. uh, break their camp, clean it up, leave the property. And, you know, where are they going to go? I don't know. Um, the chief also mentioned that they're looking into available resources regarding homelessness and getting them housed, even if it's temporary, and also mental health services that can be provided. He did say that at Tuesday's meeting, and I was remiss in not mentioning that. No, that's awesome. That's good to, to good to hear that there's some there's some balance in the thought process. Uh, well, that that is, uh, I know that that story impacted a lot of uh, community members in a lot of different ways. And thanks for thanks for your reporting on yeah. it and for that update for our listeners. Um, if we have time for one more story, is there anything else in particular that stood out uh, from this week's edition of the TI? I think that it's important to note that the Moab Rotary Club gave uh, $20,000 to Moab Free Health Clinic earlier this week. And also it is the April Action Car Show starting Friday, and they're still looking for sponsors. Wow. So if you've got a car, you want to get in and you want to sponsor it, um, Give uh, Joe or Britta Kingsley a call, Steve Getz, anybody at the Rotary Club. Uh, give them a call and they'll get you taken care of. Right on. Well, thank you so much, Doug. Thanks. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Always is, Sarah. Doug McMurdo, editor at the Times Independent. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabtimes.com. Former NASCAR driver Kyle Petty will be rolling through Moab on Thursday with an entourage of over 200 motorcyclists. Allison Harford of the Moab Sun News speaks with Emily Arnson about their coverage. 
NASCAR fans will have a chance to meet a bunch of NASCAR legends like Kyle Petty and also his father, Richard Petty, who's a Hall of Famer, um, Ken Schrader, Kenny Wallace, Max Pappas, and NBC Sports NASCAR announcer Rick Allen, because they're all coming to Moab on Thursday, May 4th, as part of the 27th annual Kyle Petty charity ride across America. Wow. What does that mean? Is he literally riding into town? Yes. In a race car? <laughs> <laughs> Not race cars, sadly. Um, so it's a motorcycle ride. And I had the chance to speak with Kyle Petty about it. He's super nice. Um, he has this very fun, like, North Carolina accent. And I am not a NASCAR fan, so it was kind of fun to talk to him about, you know, I was, like, asked him to describe what he likes about motorcycle riding. So it's a week-long ride, and they'll travel through Utah and Nevada, um, raising funds for Victory Junction, which is a summer camp founded by Kyle Petty um, for children with serious and chronic medical conditions. Nice. Yeah. So what was it that he loves about motorcycles? He said he's been riding motorcycles ever since he was little, like way before he was ever driving cars. Um, and he described Utah as a dreamscape. And then he said um, this quote, when God created Utah, he created for motorcycle riders something as close to the Garden of Eden as we're ever going to get. <laughs> That's amazing. I, right. I'm embarrassed to say that I just got chills when you read that quote. I know. <laughs> and I was like, I agree. Wow. Yeah. There will be 225 riders on 130 motorcycles. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. Petty said it's kind of like standing in the middle of a stampede when oh they God. all because they're all traveling together so they're all going to the same places um so when they come through moab it's going to be part of this little fan event so people can go and get autographs although autographed items are limited to only two per person um and there will also be like merchandise so people can buy t-shirts or hats um and all of the funds raised from this will go toward the summer camp that sounds so fun i know yeah and do you know um when and where people can meet kyle if they want to meet him when he's in Moab? Yes. So Moab's pit stop um, with Kyle and all these other people will take place at the Hoodoo on Thursday, May 4th at 4.30 p.m. Great. Okay, cool. So uh, the city council's water meeting? Yeah. The April 25th city council meeting started with a big water workshop. So water is obviously a really huge issue in the Moab Valley. Um, for about a decade, we've had a bunch of different USGS studies completed here, but all are saying different things about how much water the valley has and can use um, to stay within safe yield of our aquifers. So obviously people are really worried about this. So every once in a while, the city council will hear from a number of different stakeholders about where they're at with water. And also the city's big solution right now is this creation of the Water Utility Resource Management Plan, which brings together three different water stakeholders in the valley. So it's the city, um, the Grand Water and Sewer Service Agency, and the San Juan's Spanish Valley Special Service District, um, kind of a mouthful. And so those three agencies are working together to create this overarching um, resource management plan that'll bring together like old studies done in the past and kind of what they're thinking right now. And it also includes projections for the future of how much water we're expecting to use. So really, it's just kind of trying to make a plan for the future of um, how to manage our water. There's always more water rights on paper than there is actual water. And so 
this is something that Councilmember Ronnie Durassery brought up a lot during the meeting is that she really wanted to get into the specifics of how much water we have, but we don't actually know those answers. We only know how much water we're using and how much we have the right to. The city also heard from their attorney, Nathan Bracken, and a water attorney um, who both said that water issues, especially in the state of Utah, are kind of tricky to get around. And it's really up to municipalities. Like municipalities are kind of on their own for deciding how much water they're going to use. If we think back to the state legislature, there was a bill that um, the legislature the legislature was trying to limit municipalities' power to um, be able to like determine how much water developments could use. And so Carly Castle said during the meeting that there's a lot of money behind dismantling the ability of municipalities to keep and spend their water how they want to. So Moab is really in this spot of trying to figure out how much water we have and also trying to make laws working around the state legislature. It's been really difficult for Moab in the past to try to determine or try to create water conservation ordinances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there was something mentioned at the meeting too about how it's first come, first serve sort of basis right. for water rights, but you have to prove that you're using that water for something meaningful. I forget exactly what the terminology is. But, yeah. Um, so is that sort of what they were talking about in terms of like, okay, well, maybe there's a workaround where these people have the first water rights, but they're not using water for as important of a reason as maybe the city municipal water supply. Like, is that sort of what they were talking about? Yeah, yeah. There are a bunch of workarounds here. Um, and also there is kind of a workaround of that kind of use it or lose it thing, which is that um, like the city isn't using all of its 9,000 um, water rights, but they can kind of bank them for the future. And so that's kind of being put into this um, management plan as well, which is that hopefully we'll have some water in the bank, so to speak, um, for the future when, you know, our projected water usage do- will exceed the supply. Mm-hmm. And did the city um, make any decisions or take any action during this meeting? No action. They were just kind of hearing an update. Um, and so this water workshop was kind of brought on because of um, council member Ronnie Durassery, who's been super vocal about wanting to discuss water issues in the past. Um, but then she said that the workshop didn't really re- reflect what she wanted to see. And she kind of alluded to feeling like she had been used. Um, so I called her after the workshop and asked her to kind of elaborate a little bit. And she basically said that um, she feels weird that the city council wasn't allowed to take any action and that really this water management plan is being headed by the city manager Carly Castle and the city engineer Chuck Williams Um, and she mentioned that she does wish the city council members had more action to take in water conservation efforts. Hmm. What kinds of things more specifically like she wants to be part of the planning? Yeah yes and um, some of these meetings that the water agencies have like aren't public meetings Mm -hmm. or city council members aren't invited to them um and so she really said that she doesn't believe that water is a responsibility that should only fall on a couple people yeah very interesting yeah um okay do you want to talk about mark public art projects yeah totally um The MARC has recently funded six public arts projects, so you'll probably be seeing them around town. Um, One of them that is newly finished is this beautiful rainbow crosswalk at the intersection of 500 West and 400 North that was designed by um, Bitsy Tatera. 
and guides pedestrians across the street. <laughs> but yeah, it's really cute. There are like five other projects in the works and all of them uh, will be completed by the end of the summer. Nice. What are yeah. some other ones that you're looking forward to? Yeah, so there will be a river otter, otter mural by local artist Pine Bones that will wrap around one of the restrooms in um, or near Lions Park. Um, there's going to be a white-lined sphinx moth mural by Ingrid Payne inside the mark. Um, a mural at the Moab Charter School painted by students, and there will be an art piano at the Moab Information Center painted by Scott Bernmeyer. Um, with the design of fairy shrimp. And Birdmeyer is also designing a dinosaur mosaic on a planter in front of the mark. Allison Hartford, reporter at the Moab Sun News. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabsunnews.com. That's it for the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. You can find the pieces that were mentioned today in the show notes on our website, kzmu.org, or wherever you listen to the KZMU News podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU, community-powered radio.